You are listening to Redefining Rural, a podcast dedicated to celebrating, elevating, and changing the way we think about rural education in the state of Colorado and beyond. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Well, welcome. We're all very excited today to continue our discussion on the power of in-person learning. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Daniela Platt, um, and unfortunately, we're missing Michelle this week because, of course, now that we're in the legislative session, she's she's running crazy up there on the hill. So she's not joining us today, but we're super excited to continue our discussion on the power of in-person learning with one of our really powerful superintendents, uh, Lisa Yates. And so Lisa is is here from the Buena Vista School District. We're so excited to hear from her about all the great things that they're doing because not only is her district completed a new BEST grant building, but is part of the SCAP project. And they're also doing some amazing things that you get to hear about today. So thank you, Lisa, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Great. So tell us a little bit, for those who don't know about Buena Vista School District, uh, what makes up the Buena Vista School District? What's your size? Uh, and anything you'd like the, the world to know about BV? Oh, goodness. Um, Buena Vista School District, we're a district of about a thousand amazing students, um, about 200 staff then that serve them. We're right in the middle of Colorado, um, kind of a, a cross between a um, a tourist town and just a down-home rural ranching town. Um, certainly have seen growth in the last few years, um, watching the community change um, from not just those who have traditionally lived here, generationally lived here, but now also inviting um, more telecommuters that are living here. And so quite a few um, developments and then just a whole lot of weekend visitors from the front range, which we love. It's um, caused a a blossom in a lot of the industry here. So it's just, it's an amazing place at the foothills of the 14er um, mountains. We all love being here and on the Arkansas river. So Absolutely. Yes, it's definitely a gorgeous part of our, of our state. And uh, so one of the things that we want to hear about about what BV is doing is really to talk to us about the power of in-person learning and what's been taking place in the Buena Vista School District. I know in our conversations, we've talked a lot about how it's really been a focus uh, for you and your staff and your community on keeping in-person learning going on during during this whole COVID uh, process. And so we'd love to hear more about what's been taking place for in-person learning for Buena Vista. Well, we have been able to accomplish in-person learning from the very beginning. And, you know, I think it was, it was July of last year where so much was still uncertain then. And we just made the commitment that we are going to do this. We're going to figure out how to do in-person and, we did not do that alone. It meant that we were talking with our um, county leaders. Um, there's two school districts within our county. And so talking with um, Salida School District as well, um, our town administrators, our business owners, we all were on a call um, most of the time two or more times a week to, to just let everyone know if we're looking at how are we gonna do this as a county, we have to look at the school's role in it. And so from 
From early in July, we started letting families know our intent is to open, um, be in person. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's our backup plans. And so we established the mindsets of um, our staff, our families, and our students. Um, there was never there was never another way um, except for us to be in person. So it meant that we really had to be ready for and what happens when um, we can't be in person or when someone is ill and there's a positive case. And so spent a lot of time on what does it look like to quarantine? Um, how do we make that happen quickly? And then also spent a lot of time on mitigating risk in as many ways as possible. So um, I will say it has not been easy. Um, and there has still been disruption um, and disappointment that we've lived with. And so while others who may not have been in person have felt that disruption of not being able to be in person or disappointment from not seeing their friends, we have still lived with that. Um, you have to be ready for um, when a group is out and um, now what does school look like when a grade level's out or when one class is out and um, it's disruptive and it, and it, keeps you on your toes for what we might need to do next. That said, it has been absolutely worth it. Um, the things that we have been able to provide is that routine and rhythm um, that I, I feel like that's one thing that I'm also taking with me is the importance of, of what the school provides to a sense of community by having that predictable, here's what we're doing, you know, the, the whole calendar and the week kind of falls into that. So um, I think that's what I think of first of all and what it's been like is providing that rhythm and routine. Right, excellent. So when you when you talk about those partnerships, I know you mentioned um, your, the, the, your neighboring district, um, talk to us a little bit about how uh, your public health has worked in Chafee County and, and what, how that's helped you stay in person. Yeah, I mean, we really have a public health that's been second to none. And as I mentioned, those, they're now two days a week from the beginning, they were, we were meeting every day at four o'clock with public health um, and, and these other community leaders. And you know, I think by by us as a school district advocating for um, just helping the whole community see if we aren't in person because of a public health emergency, here are the other things that you need to be thinking about as families and as business owners and at the hospital. I mean, all of the entities that were on this call. And so by, by naming those things and noticing the impacts that there would be if we weren't in person, it allowed public health to then, to, to kind of open the doors to, okay, we're gonna be in person. Now, how do we mitigate risk together? Um, so again, I think it's just from the beginning, establishing mindsets together as a, as a full community and everyone being behind it um, and being able to talk at the grocery store, there weren't as many places that we were meeting anymore, but at the grocery store and everyone understanding that the schools weren't being reckless by opening, um, that it was a concerted effort and we all had the reasons why. Um, we, 
We all believed that this was the very best way to meet the academic and social needs of students. We felt like it was the very best way to support our small businesses and being able to keep their businesses um, open and going. Um, so everyone collectively having that understanding is really um, what allowed us to be successful in doing so. So I kind of want to jump in with a question here and we can take it out if we don't want it, but I'm kind of interested um, in getting your perspective, Lisa, on the buzz around COVID learning loss, because it seems like we keep having this conversation about the loss that kids have experienced, the um, gaps in learning that have occurred as a result of, of the pandemic. Um, but I'm interested to hear what your perspective is since you've been able to be in person and no doubt that there have been challenges along the way, but um, what, what is your take on that discussion? I think it's a term just misguided overall that that when we are focused on loss, I think we're setting our students, our staff, and our families up for um, unnecessary and misplaced really mindsets of deficit. So just the concept of a learning loss, I feel like it would be wise for us to switch that thinking whether school districts have been in-person or hybrid or fully remote, there is, a, there is a reality that we have to study what's happened with our students academically, socially, emotionally. To me, that is no different than any other time. That is the, that's the business that we're in. We are in the business of assessing where individual students are and then rising them up from that spot. Um, we all know as educators, that's not easy. Differentiation is not easy. Um, which assessments we actually use and what do they mean? But that's what we do. That's what our profession has always been about. Um, and again, to me, it just doesn't seem like any different than any other time of year or any other um, season. It's just more complex. And we may notice that there are bigger gaps. Um, we may notice that there are full groups that we need to um, pull back. And when we start again in the fall, um, we may need to be doing more skill building than we have, but we will. Um, we will take very seriously our local assessments that we've done um, and, and make sure that we bring those into practice. I, I also have said, um, none of us have survived a pandemic as a youth before, and we really need to listen to our students and not just put on them this assumption of, woe are you <laughs> students because of what you have lost or might have lost, and instead really listen and focus on what are they bringing forward with them into this year that is going to help them academically. Um, that is in no way dismissing that there has been hard times and yet we don't want to lose that hard times bring a lot of wisdom. They bring resilience. They bring grit, those things that we try and bring into our schools. And let's name that also for students. Um, so I, I think there's I, what we have already experienced this spring, even being in person, is that especially our younger students, 
are needing regulation. They're needing more opportunities to build that skill of self-regulation, um, of having security and safety. So we know that that is going to be a part of what we bring forward. We're thinking really um, deeply about our plans for preschool and kindergarten. Um, that seems to be the age group that is most impacted. So how can we start kindergarten slower, which does not mean lowering expectations. It just means slowing things down so students have an opportunity to feel safe and secure um, in the environment that we'll be in. Well, thank you for bringing that forward, Lisa, because I think we here at, at the national level, it's really that focus on core academics. And I don't think we're seeing a lot of dialogue around more that whole child. So thank you so much for bringing that forward, because I do do agree with you. That's something that we need to continue to focus on and look at to meeting the needs of our kids. So I appreciate for for you bringing that forward and district that you're leading them in, in that direction. That's wonderful. When you look at, at what the last 12 months, what is what is the thing that you see that you want to take into the future that you've learned from this power of in-person learning that you've done for in your district? I'm sure there are, there are many more nuggets than this. And, and as, as we wrap up this year and there's more time to reflect on it, I would say I still... I still feel very much in um, in response and react mode, like at just always being ready for what's going to happen next. So it's harder to be reflective when you're in that mindset. But what I have heard um, from our community as a whole, so from staff, families, and I think that's reflected in our students, is the power of communication and the power of having a plan that is well communicated. So I, you know, as we've, as we entered into the second semester and everyone started feeling like, oh wow, when we were in person, I thought we might make it to Thanksgiving. And then when we opened second semester and you're still at it, and second semester, the opening was our hardest time. That was when we really saw the most transmission in our community. And we had, so we had quite a few large group quarantines during that time. But what I kept getting feedback from our community was the appreciation, the thank you for, for not pulling back and second guessing, or at least letting them know I was second guessing. <laughs> um, so, and I, and the other thing that, that I did was had weekly meetings. So every Monday night, there was an opportunity for our community to join a five o'clock Zoom call. And every Monday morning, I sent out an update that was kind of, here's what's happening in our community um, with COVID. Here's what the district is doing. Um, here's, how many, here's how many classrooms are quarantined. And I think that predictability of how they would get information um, has been very positive and it makes me see in in more normal times that we just assume our families know everything's fine because we aren't communicating with them or if you don't hear from us all's well um and i i think that is something that i really want to take forward is usually people are with you when they have information and i i'm noticing now where those gaps have been um, and so that's definitely something 
that I want to take forward and and packed in that communication as much as just logistics was the why. This is why we're doing what we're doing. And this is who is supporting us. Um, and and for, for everyone to see that the school was so much bigger than just the school, that this, how the school plays into the whole community, which was behind the why, um, is something that I wanna I want to continue to connect with our um, community overall on is, I think I want to capitalize on this time everyone recognizes because the school has been in person, it has meant that there's been more routine in the community. And so people are valuing what the schools bring um, more than typically. So um, communication, I would say, is the big thing that I want to um, take forward with me today. Um, I know that there's much more to come. I know from our staff, they're looking at, we all know in our minds that being clear on success criteria and sharing that with students is, it's known to be an effective practice. Well, when you have to be ready to be remote and do online learning or be in person, you're a lot more clear as an instructor about what's most important. And so that's what we've been talking about as an instructional staff, that there is so much value when we are crystal clear on what's really most important. And if need be, we let those other things drop away. Um, and just the idea of, you know, some of the some of the work that we give students certainly aimed at accomplishing those, um, the learning targets and success criteria can be um, practice and work that maybe not everyone needs. And so just opening that mindset and being ready to shift to remote, I think has been really effective for us. Um, and I know we wanna take that forward. So speaking of what's really important, um, I think as we're wrapping up, leadership is critical. We all know that. We know that you're an amazing leader and that you have been, um, so consistent in your leadership in your school district. So going through all of this and navigating these challenges and reflecting on what has happened, what um, what advice do you have for other leaders or what have you taken away or, or changed in terms of your leadership that you can share? You know, Danielle, I might be saying the same thing. Um, that you know kind of comes out in what I'm what I'm taking forward, but it really does feel like as a leader, people are looking for us to like bear the weight of the decisions and the circumstances for them. And um and I, I feel like the convictions that I had personally about being in person in the and the importance of that, having never navigated, none of us ever navigating such uncertain times and a public health emergency. Um, but people are looking for leaders to bear that. And it doesn't mean that you just bulldog your way through and make sure that what you're convicted about happens. But, they, but that idea that you carry um, that weight on behalf of a community, um, and certainly there's shifting and there's giving and taking, um, but I, I feel like we as leaders um, 
there, there's not deflecting in times of crisis. And, and especially in, in these times when they are uncertain and they are places you haven't traveled for or traveled together with before, um, that that is where leadership comes in, that you really use those convictions um, to stand. You're still listening. Um, you're adjusting with it. But I'm thinking back even to last summer and talking with our district leadership team and my wanting assurance from them, like, you're you're going to come with me, right? Like, this is, this is where we're going. And the, again, the feedback was, you know where you're going, we're going to follow. Um, and, and honestly, those of you who know me, that's not my, that's not my typical, I'm much more of a, a reserved leader. Um, but I think that there is also a way to do that, that you, again, you're not bullying your way through, but you're convicted. Um, and I would say in particular, in times of crisis, that's what people are looking for. Wonderful. Well, Lisa, thank you so much. And I know that both the state of Colorado and the children of, of Buena Vista School District are better off because your leadership is there. So thank you for sharing your thoughts on the power of in-person learning and all that you've done in Buena Vista. We really appreciate it and continue to wish you good health and success as you finish out the rest of this school year. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Kirk. Thank you, Lisa. And you gave here. me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs>